so much music done came out. So much music done came out. We had, whew, uh, look, Future. I like the album. I got to live with it a little bit more. Uh, I'm a big Future fan. But what do we have before that? Something came before that that I'm missing? Pusha T came the week before. Pusha T. Love that album. I'm different. People was like, I have problems with the album. I had none. Um, I didn't like it at first. I didn't like it at first. It grew on me. Uh, it, it mm-hmm. definitely grew on me. Uh, I did like the trade off with the like the Kanye kind of versus Pharrell. Actually, in one of my streaming services, they literally labeled the album Kanye versus Pharrell. I don't know if they were doing that. You know, YouTube Music be doing wild stuff sometimes. But yeah, I was like, I got YouTube Music. I saw all of that. Yeah, yeah. I was like Kanye versus Pharrell. But then I was like, oh, this is a Kanye album and a Pharrell album. I I liked it. I liked it. I'm still not tired of hearing Pusha T talk about crack. So, you know, it is what it is. Nah, I'm not tired of that either. Um, Kendrick Lamar coming out with a, a double album and a book. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. No, no, no. We are going to see if, and I hope he beats it. I have a feeling about double albums. I'm always like, yo, that could have been a, a really fire one album, like a single album. A lot of times it's got a little bit of filler. The only person I think that has really come close to achieving this, like a true double album, uh, was Biggie. I stand on that. I know people tell me it's the Pac album. Ah, nah. you know I, 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 I love Pac, but the Biggie album was the one that was that that was it. That was the double album for me. There are, and this is not to say there are people that got double albums like. Bone Thugs and Harmony got double albums. I don't like it. No, nah, that could be one album. That, that could have been be one album. album. But the yeah. songs, I, I I love a song on one album. I love a song on another album. So it's nothing against the artist. But if Kendrick can pull it off, I will be thoroughly impressed. But you know, I like I like Kendrick releases. So and plus, you know, you know the last you said album, about the. Uh, go ahead. I said it's the last album. Going out with a bang is huge. Oh, it's the last album before he's still with uh, PG Lang. Last album team. before yeah. he steps away uh, from his label and moves out on his own. And, you know, yep. power to him. Program language, PG Lang. I was yeah. like, hmm, pretty clever there. Yeah. And yeah. I agree with you on the, the Biggie thing. The songs that I skip, depending on how I'm feeling, is the Obi song. And what do you do when your bitch is untrue? Yeah, that's it. That. I skip so that. Th- that's de- depending on how I feel. But that's I'm why. That's why. That's why I. That's why I said the Biggie album is close because I'm not listening to Thug Passion. Yeah, I'm not listening. <laughs> like yeah. you can run. Nah, I'm good. Like I'm not listening yeah. to a few of those. And I love Pac. I'm a Pac stand. But it's, like, passion oh, came oh. out before I was like really like exposed to alcohol like that. So as I like after bartending and stuff like that, I was like, "Dog, this is a horrible drink. drink." Like a beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a summary. But you know, like, I will say wow, this: man, I saw a, juice. I, I saw a podcast that was floating around because uh, I feel like because I don't want us to get launched into that direction where well, they was just disparaging Tupac. They were saying Tupac wasn't real mm. and Tupac wasn't this and that. Mm. And uh, mm. there's a lot of I, I feel like it's a lot of younger people that has a very strong revisionist history about who Tupac was. I have plenty of critiques of Pac. I have plenty of praises for Pac. Uh, but the idea that he hid his identity like, oh, he was a dance kid. And then, you know, he ain't letting nobody. I was like, nah, he's he let everybody know who he was. 
from the jump. He's a human. The whole time. And he yeah. made adjustments as he went throughout his career. Uh, I think when you look back and as we get further and further away from Pac and Biggie, I hope that we're able to look back historically more and actually delve into it. Because I felt like some of the stuff that's been done, some of the movies that have been done have been kind of superficial. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not it's not really digging into them as people. Because the only thing I get a lot of times when I look back on them is like, dog, they were early 20s. Like, yeah. that's all I think about is they, they were 24 early. 24 and 25. Early children. 20s when they died. Like, that yeah. is insane. When you look back at some of these artists, Nas wrote Illmatic at, at 19. But 17, 18, 17, 19. 17, 18, 19. I have taught 17, 18, 19-year-old. Like, that the impressiveness of seeing an artist like that, uh, that's insane. That's insane. So Rob yeah. is how old? And he said, I made an indelible mark. That's a Nas thing. Nas was yeah. 19. Yeah. He would have said that. That's no, it's crazy. Huge. It's huge. And so that's the thing where I was like, you know, even when people come out and they say, like, oh, Kendrick, you know, he's too young for the crown. And they come, you know, like when a new artist comes out, I'm always been like, no, the crown. you never know what these artists can do so yeah you never know you just got to be able to i, I gave up. kendrick the crown on this first album i was like that nigga's yeah, better than fantastic everybody. he's a fantastic right. rapper yeah you got to be able to look at what it is you have to be able to look at the talent recognize the talent see the talent and then help expose the talent to the world yeah i mean he's so good that on control jay electronica went after him Oh yeah, not yeah. that many. Not that many people. It's kind of like uh, what's that? What's that song? I think, uh, I think we'll BM, BMF. It's kind of like BMF. How people will be like, Styles is on that song. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, like Jay Electronica. He was on that. And song? Jay that Electronica gave a Jay Electronica gave a solid verse. I saw clips of Jay Electronica. I mean, Jay Electronica has been kind of vocal on that. Where I, I think he felt a way about getting overshadowed on there. But I said you gave a solid verse, but still, you know. It is what it, it is, it but, you know, it's always good to see something that happens in our culture. What culture is that? It's the black and ugly as ever, ever I stay Houston down to my socks. Oh, no, oh, no. It's a them again. It's them boys from In My Humble Opinion. Thank you for tuning in to another In My Humble Opinion podcast. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Avery, like a very nice guy. You could find me at T-H-E-E underscore A-V-E-R-I. I'm the Avery. Uh, you can find me on that on all stuff. And also on Vince McBands. I'm the guy that memes all your favorite Houston artists. It's me. It's this guy, me. Um, my tag will be on there, Vince McBands. That's my brother with us looking down. Look, you're looking at your phone. Look at you. I was, I was looking on. at my phone. I was looking the cameras, at my phone. It's not even, you're not even directing. I'm talking, off, the camera's not even on me. Off, the camera wasn't on me. It was just on you. So it was, it was whatever. You know right. what I'm saying? One thing about hey, this is. People didn't know I was on my phone. That's cool. Go ahead. <laughs> my brother over there looking good, looking svelte. Look at my brother over there. So His spelt. name let is. Me, let me let me finish losing weight before you call me svelte. You call somebody svelte <laughs> while they're in the transition phase and. You know, the people that knew what you look like go, oh, wow, we yeah. smell. But the people that just met you were like, from what? 
Uh, <laughs> his name is Just Devon, ladies and gentlemen. Just Devon. He writes for various publications. Uh, he is one of the greatest writers that I know. One of the greatest of one of the greatest writers of our modern time, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You could find him. Yep, I know because I love you, brother. You could find him at shut it, shut it up. Nope, mm -mm. I didn't say anything. All right, you know, no, yeah. You could find him at Just. I'm sorry, at Dr. Douglas on Instagram, and you can find him at Justavon on, uh, what's that one called? Twitter. I love Twitter. Everything uh, Elon else, Musk, I don't know. Much. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he owns it yet. And you can find us both at My Humble O. That's in my humble opinion podcast. All right, where the opinion humbles, where the opinions are humble, and the words don't get jumbled, even though they just got jumbled. I love that you're with us. I love that you're growing with us, people. And, uh, well, how you been doing, Devon? I've been good. I've been good. Okay. It's not like I didn't know I speak to you pretty much all the time. Uh, <laughs> pretty, but much, pretty much. We're, we're doing good over here. And uh, I mean, let's just get to it. I mean, we got a guest uh, running with our, it's kind of like a legend series, really. I mean, we are getting some heavy hitters. And this one in particular, uh, well, Houston has a, a deep music culture with a wide range of genres from Zotico to Tejano to blues and R&B to hip hop, you know, rock, the list goes on. All right. So now if you're hearing my voice or watching me right now, I trust that you have an interest in music and all that comes with it. Now there's music and then there's the all that comes with it. A part of the all that comes with it is the music business. All right. Our next guest can talk about both from starting as an artist himself to becoming a mogul in the Lone Star State to being one of the hands, one of the hands, it needs this respect, one of the hands that's responsible for the H-Town takeover in 2005, he has proven time and time again that he can make a dollar out of 15 cent. One of the most ultimate hustlers, co-CEO of Swisher House, humbly yours, G-Dash. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. How's it going? I'm good. That's good. How is it going? You know, uh, and and this comes at a, a really good time because that uh, Bun B just had the uh, Houston All Star Show, uh, which had mm -hmm. a, a number of artists that, of, of course, you've had your hands on that you've worked with. Uh, we just saw you at, uh, but I also just saw you at the the Gas Gods concert which had a number of uh, newer artists as well. Uh, and we were just talking to Derek uh, Dixon and there's a lot of uh, label owners or moguls here that have been able to touch generations here in Houston. So that's why we are really happy to have somebody like you on. We wanna go back though to the beginning where you're starting off as as an artist like that that initially initially your goal was you want to be an artist you want to rap correct yeah yeah that's correct that's correct i have i had dreams and aspirations of being a big rapper back in those days you know i, I, I come from the time and era where i grew up on like guys like kumo d ll cool j uh, uh just ice all, all, all the old school cats. I mean, I was, I, I remember when rap first started, like with Curtis Blow, the first commercial rap. Like, and I, and I just always inspired to be a rapper. 
What was your rap name? G Dash. It started okay. off as it started off as G Man, but then one of my partners called me G Dash, and I and I kept it. I just ran with the G Dash, took the man off. Now stuck you, with it. Wow, the second name that's almost unheard of with rappers. They usually go through fifteen. That's perfect. No, no, no. I was only blessed to go through two, and and and, and pick the <laughs> second one. <laughs> yeah, that's real. That's real. Now, when you first started out, I mean, uh, I mean, even before you decided to start getting into music, because like you said, you remember the early, uh, early times with hip hop. Uh, were you always musically inclined? Did you have an ear for music at that time? Was music just something you were interested in as a child? Or was it just rap music just kind of sparked something with you? Well, it started out as a, when I was a child, I used to always listen to like Earth, Wind and Fire, Brass Construction, Mm. The Commodores, a lot of bands that had a lot of uh, horns and brass in it. Cause I initially wanted to, I wanted to play a trumpet at first, but once, once I got to middle school and I and I decided to join the band, I, I fell in love with the percussion, which is the drums. So from that point, I was always in the music. I played in the uh, marching band, the stage band, the concert band. So I played the drum set, the snare drum. I played different percussion instruments so i always love music now yeah, that's real powerful too because you got to keep up the time like oh, yeah, no you're doubt. very important no doubt and, and and i also transition which one of my friends always make me remember that i was one of the first people he knew that had a uh, had a drum machine the first piece of hardware which was a, a i believe it was called a Lisa's. 16 or something like that but it was like one of the first drum machines so i also was keeping up with times and technology as well wow so was you making was you making beats back then yeah yeah oh damn I, so you I was all making beats yeah yeah but then that 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 rapper dream only lasted for a little while because i i, I had a i had a daughter and and you know i'm a young man and i I just had to think. I can't rapping ain't paying no bills right now, so I need to uh, get a job. What was your first job, or uh, what was that job you got right then? The job I got right then, I started working for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Okay, okay, yeah. So you're working for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, and and this is one of the things I read about you. Uh, initially, uh, Swisher House wasn't a Oh, you and, and Michael Watts were definitely gonna just start working together. Initially, it was just he's doing mixtapes, you thinking about kind of starting a business. Like, how does that come along? I, I I actually started a record company and it was called High Blast, High Blast Records. And I was initially working with an RB artist. And at the time, this one Watts mixtapes had started kind of blowing up with I mean, like Slim and Archie Lee and Lester Roy, some of those first guys had started rapping on the mixtapes. And so once he did that, I started thinking, well, he, he making these guys hot on these mixtapes. I'm gonna use his mixtapes to break, well, he's breaking the artists already on the underground level, but I'm gonna use them to recruit them and put on my label. That's what my initial thoughts were, but it blew up so quick that I just, you know, said we might as well partner. That's where you get the Swisher Blast Entertainment, which is the label. 
and and, and that's just like a, a combination of my label and and his label at the time, which was well, it wasn't even a label, but Swisher House. So he was, a, so that was a combination of the two of you guys, and you were just like, hey, your mixtapes took off quick. I've got some business acumen. I got some stuff going already. So y'all just decided to join forces. Yeah, yeah. Who were exactly. some? Of, who were some of the first artists that you saw that you were like, oh, because I, I initially Swisher House is a collective. It's a lot of artists. It kind of yeah. kind of pairs down to a, a few later on. Who were some of those artists that y'all were initially working with? Uh, the the first artist that started on Swisher House, it was Archie Lee and Lester Roy. Okay. And then after that came along Lil Mario, Slim, J Doll, Big Tiger, and Big Pit. And, and it just started growing from there. And uh I really wanted to, I really wanted to do a project on Slim first. And I kept telling Wise, hey man, if you don't sign nobody, we need to sign Slim. But yes. that was at the time they had just done that joint mixtape called uh, I Represent This that Slim dropped. And once he dropped that. I knew it wasn't gonna be no turning back once he see that money, cause you know they did 50-50 thing. Once he saw that kind of bread, and he also had business aspirations as well, and he took it from there and started his own label. And so that that's one of the other things too. It's uh, you know, you guys when it looks like it's like okay, the day the day hell broke loose comes out, and then everything blows up, still tipping blows up, and then it's you've got. Mike Jones, Chameleon Air, you've got Paul Wall, uh, you've got Slim Thug. But as a record label, y'all have kind of been very much like uh, free with the coming and going artists. Like, it's like, okay, come on, do this album. All right, y'all go do whatever y'all want. If you want to come back, I mean, Archie Lee uh, has been kind of back. You've had a number of artists that have kind of gone back and forth. Why has your business been like that, especially at a time when we've seen the Diddies and we've seen other people, the Diddies, the Shugs, and all these, where it's like, oh no, you signed for forever. Like, we're gonna <laughs> get these albums out. Why has it been so open with you guys? What what was your thinking behind that? Well, what it was, see, Swisher House was a collective, like you said, it was like a big Wu-Tang and none of those guys were actually signed. So after the first day hell broke loose that came out, uh, I signed Archie Lee first and I did a solo project on Archie Lee because what I was doing at that time, I started signing artists as to when I'm about to start their project. So I started out with Archie Lee, then I did Big Tiger, and then I had a Big Pick album that was on the way and a J-Dog album that was on the way. But then somewhere in between now, and, I, and I, I'm, I don't know if you guys are aware, you know, it was a beef. It was like an internal beef with the artists, with, with Slim and Lamario and uh, Big Pick and AD. I'm not I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with that, but that's oh, no, no, what no, kind no. Of... Absolutely. Uh, talk about it, because we do yeah. want to know those kind of inner workings. What happened with, with the, your artists? Well, I, I, I guess it was some type of animosity between them. I think uh, Lamario, he dropped a disc, uh, a, well, he dropped a CD that was dissing Slim. Yeah. And I guess Big Pick and AD was also on that CD and they was talking down on Slim as well. And then Slim, Slim turned around and he dropped a project called The Boss, which kind of like just 
it was already disbanding, but it just kind of really made everybody go their separate ways. And, you know, it was, it was, it was other things that was going on. Like guys wasn't too happy, like big pick and AD, they wasn't too happy about, I guess, Watson. The first, the first project watch dropped was the day hell broke loose. I wasn't a part of that initial project. That was the one that him, Ron C and a guy named Wendell, they put together and they basically just, had the guys sign agreements just to do the project. So it was never no, like, no paperwork, but we had issues with the distributor. So, you know, I guess the guys felt like, you know, the issues with the distributor, and I believe White's not communicating with the guys properly and letting them know what's going on as far as the financial part of the distribution workings. That's what kind of caused a little conflict within the, within the camp as well. So at that point, I mean, once that boss dropped and everybody kind of went their separate ways, we basically started over from scratch at that point. And that's where you've seen us recruit Magnificent and Mike Jones. Okay, okay. So the thing about it too Magno. is- Magno. That was my boy. I like Magno. <laughs> <laughs> now the thing about it too is as you look at a lot of these documentaries and just seeing in general, I mean, you know, you'll see like- uh, Okay, so we got like Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine, which they work with the camp where, you know, 50 Cent don't always get along with everybody that's associated with them. The game don't always get along with everybody that's associated with them. Uh, the Wu-Tang show shows <laughs> jump. RZA is trying to manage nine, eight dudes that do not all get along. They uh, literally, they opened up the show with one of them shooting at the other one. Uh what is it like from you and Watt's perspective having to manage a roster of artists where it's like I, I see success on the rise and like things are moving business-wise, yeah. but now y'all don't get along and this could start to blow things up. What were y'all's initial thoughts and how did y'all go about trying to make corrections? I mean, and I know because I deal with it because I, I also was road managing these guys. So just imagine having to take 10 to 11 youngsters on the road. You know what I'm saying? I, mm. I, I, had to, I, had, I had to make a lot of moves, but they had a lot of respect for me. And, and you know, I always deal with them. I was older than them, so I kind of, like, treated them like my little brothers. You know what I mean? But, uh. I mean, and, and, and I think they respected me because I, I wasn't trying to be their friend at the time either. Like, I wasn't smoking with them, drinking with them or nothing. I was just straight business, like, when I would go on the road. And I think that's what what a problem occurred with the previous guys that was taking them on the road because they were trying to, they, they were being too friendly with them. Like, uh, I mean, you can't, you can't be mixed at business and friends. Cause you know, you need them to listen to you and, 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 and respect what you're trying to do at all times. But uh, okay. once, 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 I mean, once we saw that comment, like, I'm like this, artists come and go, you know what I mean? And I, I learned that from uh, talking to Jay Prince back in the day. So I never got any feelings or emotions about any artists. You know, I've even let artists go. Like, if I seen that, oh, hey, you're not happy here? Like, for, for instance, like Magno, there was some internal conflict between him and Mike Jones back then. And once we got that deal, and I saw how Mike Jones was kind of treating the situation. And, and Magno had another opportunity with Desert Storm. You know, I released him out of his agreement and let him go go do that. And hopefully he could find him a spot there and, and be successful. 
Cause I'm 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 all about the art of success. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to hold nobody back or I, I just want them to succeed in whatever they do. I mean, if I if I can make money with you, I love it. But I mean, if you ain't happy, you know, I gotta let you do what you do. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, what once you guys did the uh, you know, the readjusting and kind of rebranding, it's like, okay, we're gonna focus on Mike Jones and Magno. Uh, and then Magno decide that he and Mike Jones have some internal beef and leave. What kind of continues on with Swisher House? Because a lot of people always ask, like, I mean, what happened with Mike Jones? At one point, it was mm-hmm. just a high trajectory, and then things just kind of flatlined out. I, I I believe Mike Jones' ego got the best of him because, you know, I mean, and, and I understand ain't nothing wrong with an artist trying to have his own label and all that stuff, but he really wasn't happy at the at the gate. Like me, honestly, I never wanted to sign a deal. That's why I used to see little slogans on our CDs like major without a major deal because I was trying to do everything that the majors was doing without a deal at the time. And I, like I said, I think his ego just got the best of him and he wanted to be his own boss. You know, sometimes guys want to jump out there and they're not ready. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, I think that kind of hurt him. And then once once the, once the label got into his ear too, because you know they do a lot of divide and conquer and stuff. That's the first thing they try to do. Not like when they get a independent artist is they try to separate the artist from their labels. And you know I don't know why they practice it. I mean you pretty much just got to have a strong team when you when you getting into this business. And the thing about it too is y'all are also dealing with the business side of. I was reading somewhere where you guys were selling mixtapes y'all are selling things independently as you start to move into the label world you have to get actual album sales so y'all are going through a readjustment talk about changing things up to make sure that the records you're selling are getting registered properly oh yeah and and that's and that's that's what my goal was like watch was dropping a lot of mixtapes my goal was to put out commercial projects because Mm. I knew putting those commercial projects would uh, legitimize us as a label. You know what I mean? We can't be no label mm. just putting out mixtapes. So that's when you seen uh, the Archie Lee album came, came out, the Big Tiger album came out. Then we turned around and dropped the Day Hill Broke Loose 2. And that, and that was the album that contained the uh, Still Tipping that you were speaking on. And uh, yeah. we dropped the All Freestyle 5. I just started going hard with dropping the commercial projects. Because like I said, I was trying to build up the label and the only way to do it, you can't build it up with no mixtapes. No. No, I can't. It can't happen. So you keep yeah. pushing. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, but I uh I kept pushing the albums. And then it was a point in time where right before the only reason why I signed the deal was really to lock Mike Jones into his agreement is because he only had like three months left on his contract with me before he would have been a free agent. And, you know, we had put too much blood, sweat, and tears in building his name up to just Definitely. let him walk off and go and get a deal by himself. So mm-hmm. that's the only reason I did did a deal. And, and at the time, Asylum was the best offer that we had on the table. Cause all the other labels that I had dealt with, they only wanted to do an artist deal. And I was trying to get a label situation for the whole label. 
but we were also like we was rebuilding in that process that's that's where you saw me resign archie lee i had initially mm -hmm. brought j dog back but he got in trouble uh -huh. he went did, and he went and sat down for a little while so i signed him and then you saw paul wall also come back to the camp yeah. at that time after him and chameleon now kind of went went separate ways and yeah that was the other thing he and chameleon air came in but paul has always been uh big and, and then he kept on uh uh putting out albums eventually too uh you guys link up with little kiki oh yeah oh yeah and, and talk that, about that was, that was history in the making right there man yeah that really a lot was. of people now look down even when we, we talked we spoke with little kiki a, a few episodes ago and and now it's easy to look at that moment and be like, oh, okay, you know, a little Kiki, sorry, we switch the house. It, it, it's not a big deal. Uh, at the time, I think uh, I interviewed him for Ozone Magazine, and that was like a huge mm -hmm. deal. Like, he was definitely having some back and forth with decisions on whether this shit needs to be done. Uh, what were your thoughts at the, at, the, at the time leading into that? I mean, actually, if you want to know the truth, man, we went to Kiki's studio probably uh, I'll, I mean, a year before he actually signed with us trying to recruit Keith. And I guess he just wasn't ready at that time. But, I mean, we always kept the doors open for whenever he was ready. But, man, all I was thinking about, I, I was thinking business. I wasn't thinking about the north side, the south side, because I don't care where you're from. I'm just all about us doing business together. Uh, and that's and that's all it was at the end of the day. It was just it was it was, it was a business decision for him. I mean, we, we was, like he like he like he'll tell you he he saw us capitalizing on actually a, a culture he kind of helped start. I mean, as far as the slang and the talk and everything, so you know it was only right to come come join the people that was putting it out there for the world to see and be a part of. And I guess that's what was that feeling like too, with y'all putting it out for the world to see and catching on? I mean, like before that in 2004, people heard of Houston. Like, let's be honest, the nation knew of us but didn't respect us. But then 05 came, y'all had, you know, of course, the day hell broke loose, and you have now everybody's paying attention to us, and it's because of you guys. What was yeah. that feeling like for you? Oh no, it was a good feeling. And and you know, when it went to the world, like initially everybody thought that because they don't know the history and the culture, they thought we started screw music. So that's when why well, you saw when that my block series came out on MTV. When I first sat down with those people, I told them, hey man, when y'all come to H Town, y'all gotta go to the screw shop. You know, that, that's the originator of of the screwed up movement and you you got to go over there. I'm the one told those guys that because they didn't know the history. I mean, they're up there in New York, mm -hmm. you know, they, they thought we started it. And I just, you know, I just kept it 100 and let them know. I let them, I told them like- You sure did. Hey, where it started, yeah. And that's good too, cause we know what happened if the listeners don't know. There were, there were a few rappers that yeah. were, were kind of mad. And it was yeah. like, no, you had, yeah. you were been showing respect, a lot of respect to, to yeah. you know, screw and whatnot. So my hat goes off to you for that, man. Yeah, appreciate it. And I guess that's the other thing too. Like one, why was it so important? Uh, 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 looking at the SUC, like, like you said, you wouldn't talk to little Kiki uh, a year before. 
why was it so important of signing him? And I, you know, kind of alludes to y'all bigging up the SUC like the way y'all do. I believe that move right there. I think I think that unified the city when we when we did that move. I mean, and 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 before that, I gotta say, cats like ESG and Slim doing those records together, uh-huh, uh-huh. little flip getting on some of our mixtapes. You know, we was trying to just bring the bring everything together, man. We wasn't about no clicks, man. We was about getting money. Did you always feel? Did you feel like y'all were kind of thrown into? Uh, like y'all, like you got thrown into a fight that he was like, I wasn't even fighting. I was just, I was just, (laughs) yeah. Well, you know, when you, when you grow, when you grow up in this city and you live on the North side or you live on the South side, some kind of way that Plex just automatically there when you coming up on these sides of town. But I mean, as you get older and a person like me, I always went to clubs on the South. When I got old enough where I could go to the club. I always went to clubs on the south side, man. That's where, that's where a lot, I used to go to the Bens. I used to go to Carrington. Like, they probably thought I was from the south side. I, I was a diplomat. I don't care where. I'm, I'm a, Earth is my turf. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. Man, I ain't, yes. I ain't on, on those sides. And then, you know, when you're young, you you trying to look for some uh, 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 different young ladies that you might not have seen <laughs> on your side of town. So you explore. <laughs> yeah. So women, women it's brought so you to the South Side too. <laughs> yeah, not, not just women. I had, I had, I had partners over there on the South Side as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I had a. That's who turned me on to like uh, South Park Coalition back in the day. Uh huh. Hey Reno Ooh. and them guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. My partners on the South Side. So now, when you look back, uh, especially like the, seeing the Bun B, uh, Houston All Star Show. And you see that and you see one, I mean, like we always say that that was just the tip of the iceberg of Houston culture and music. Uh, but just that huge show being only the tip of the iceberg, your artist and your legacy was a huge part of that. What is that like to see now when you're seeing artists like Paul and, and Chameleon Air come back to town and, and all these people that you work with, Slim Thug, uh, seeing them on these stages and seeing the careers that they've been able to achieve. Oh man, that was, that was a proud moment for me. I mean, anytime I see any of the guys being successful that that came from our organization, man, I always big up those guys because I'm glad they kept kept doing it and they stayed consistent. And them guys are still working to this day and still mm-hmm. eating off the fruits of our labor from years ago. That's a blessing to still be able to eat off this music. And you've been in the game 20 plus years. Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. When you see newer artists now, cause I was like, you know, when you see just the city in general, now we're talking about, well, you know what? Let me uh, stop, I'll go back. Seeing the city now, I. Uh, you guys are credited. A lot of people say, oh, you know, that 2004 wave with the Super Bowl, Swisher House. And then there was another wave when the Super Bowl came back. And, and, and now we're experiencing this other wave. How is the city of Houston look to you in terms of its growth uh, in, in arts and media? I mean, it looked good to me. I like what all these young artists are doing. And I've, and I've seen it grow over the years. 
because I, I can remember, man, probably after, what year was it? Because I'm, I'm looking at these guys who I first started, grind, started grinding back in like 2013, 14, like the Beat Kings and which B-King been around, he was around before that because he was just kind of mm -hmm. doing production at first, I believe. But just to see the growth of these guys, you know, the B-Kings, the Kurt Cobains, the, I like Sauce Walker and their movement. I told him, I feel like their movement is one of the closest movements to the Swisher house and the uh, SUC. Yeah, yeah, how he got definitely a, a glamouring of artists. And I mean, he just putting guys on and, I think that's a cool thing. Well, you see somebody like Sauce Walker that's doing uh, what you guys do, and you see a lot of these other uh, artists that are starting to build up their own movements. What are some of the advice and things you would tell them like, hey, this really worked out for us, uh, and this didn't work out for us? Like, what are some of the things you tell them to do and not to do uh, to what? keep the movement going? Well, the game then kind of changed because, I mean, from the outside looking in, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know how he's doing it business-wise as far as signing these orders or these orders is just a collective and he's maybe have a distribution situation with them where he's eating off of them that way. So I'm not sure how he have it set up, but my thing is when you go to dealing with these labels, just make sure you have your, your, your click is tight, you know what I mean? And don't let those uh executives from the major labels like get into your artist's ear and do things to separate you guys and y'all should stay click tight and don't let your artists talk to those execs without you present because it's all kind of slick games that they play to to divide and conquer your artists and you know when you would look back and you saw uh those kind of things happening like early on because i mean that's what what record labels are going to do uh wh what are some of the things you could do to kind of protect your artists or prevent that kind of stuff from happening uh just keep your artists close to you and and make sure you wherever they are and don't let <laughs> nobody in your artist shouldn't go in no room with no exec from the major labels unless you're present they should always have management present mm. i mean they they did slick shit like in the beginning, they out there on the road and they went and got Mike Jones about two or three in the morning and took him to the studio where 50 Cent was, but didn't notify T Fares that he was that he was going over there like just slick shit, man. I could imagine though, because yeah. I'm like, it's it's the music business. <laughs> I'm like, cause you're like, they gotta be with somebody, but I'm like, if I know that you're going to like, I mean, if I'm, if, if I'm a, a record exec and I know this artist is going to be at the strip club, I'm going to show up at the strip club, like 24, you got to have somebody there 24 hours a day. It seems like yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. You do, you do. You because I, I mean, I mean, even in the, in the initial beginnings, when we first signed our deal, like the first thing they did was some kind of way got their New York lawyers to represent Mike Jones. I mean, I'm talking about just out the gate. Mm. And, and they tried to do the same thing with Paul and I peeped what they was doing, you know, that's why I just had to talk with Paul. And I was like, man, I'm not telling you what lawyer to get. I'm just telling you don't use those lawyers. Yeah. Exactly what I thought would happen is what happened. The first thing this lawyer did 
was try to figure out a way to get Mike Jones up out of the contract with us. That's the first thing he started doing. You know, and that's and that's what they do when they want to divide and conquer you. you. They try to go in and try to find loopholes in your your agreement with the label. I mean, it's funny because you know people look at uh, uh, Dame Dash in that documentary that they were doing for Def Jam, and remember that that scene where he was yelling at Leo Cohen for getting everybody jackets and. You know, but the jacket thing was like an iceberg tip where he's like, and you trying to meet with them behind my back and you trying to do that. Because almost instantly, it's like, I see the talent in the Swisher House or Rockefeller. Now, let me just get the artist and keep Swisher House and Rockefeller out of it. And so as a as a label owner, you got to fight against that. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because those actually the people I was dealing with, the same people Dame Dash was dealing with, he was dealing with those execs, they was at Def Jam at the time, where they was at Warner when we signed mm. our deal. So I was dealing with Leard, Todd Moskowitz, Joey I.E., uh, Kevin Laws. I was dealing with I was dealing with the same exact execs. Uh, Moskowitz is a sniper, golly, bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, they, I guess they was using the same formula. The only thing that's, I guess, well. Well, they was dealing with Jay was an artist too, as well as a, yeah. as a um, exec. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an artist. It's an artist thing. Oh yeah, they pillaged. They got they got Kanye late. West. <laughs> they got Kanye and Jay, and then they was yeah. like, "Petey Crack, I don't need you." I was like, "What? Yeah. I need Petey." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I used to love that whole state property click. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah, because yeah. it's almost like they get the artist they want, and then they just try to sell off everybody else for parts. Like, I mean, yeah. all right, all right, we 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 didn't need you. We just wanted this person. Just want the cash cow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> now, when you look back now, I'm not saying not saying we're not even gonna look back no more. As a label now, uh, what is Swisher House up to? What are y'all doing, and, and how are y'all moving forward? I mean, right now we're we're selling merchandise. Uh, we're gonna work on a compilation, a new compilation, the Day Hill Broke Loose for a compilation. We got an art exhibit coming up that we're trying to put together right now. Uh, I'm working with a director and a writer right now, trying to get get my deck together for a documentary and a movie. Oh, that's real. Okay. Going back and looking yeah. at that because you're seeing now, and I, I feel like like we talked with uh, we we spoke with uh, Drek, and you know his biggest thing was I wish we had recorded more of the beginnings because you know when you talk about like DJ Screw, you talk about Fat Pat and them, a lot of his word of mouth. Uh, I'm yeah. reading a book now on DJ Screw, and it's real interesting, but it's a lot of word of mouth uh stuff and so it'd be great to see like the video and the behind the scenes of what was going on do you guys well, have well, a lot of video compiled well I'm, I'm gonna tell you a, a, a bad thing about living in houston man man i know so many people that then had so much footage and you believe it or not we didn't lost this footage in floods storages like ah, yeah and it's crazy man i i I seen. I think White's whole record collection got wiped out in one of them floods back in the early two thousands. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's uh, ridiculous. Uh, 
I always asked the guys that was around who had, because you know, there was a lot of cam cutters around at that time, you know, for them before, the, I mean, yeah, them Kappa parties and all that. Man, we had all that. I mean, we have some stuff, but we don't have, I'm going to say we only have probably about 10% of the stuff that we recorded back then. Even I had a lot of, I still got a lot of mini DVs to go through, but man, a lot of that footage is lost. Oh man, that's rough. Man, that's rough. That's, that's rough. that is rough. But it's nice thing y'all go through. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like with the art exhibit, though, we do have a lot of old photos. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because that's a lot of stuff we're gonna use for the exhibit to show never be seen, never before seen photos. Mm -hmm. so this is gonna be an art exhibit that just chronicles the history of Swish House. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, what else? What else do we have on like the horizon? Uh, for you because we always hear your name mentioned especially from like people like paul wall stuff like that like i said we saw you at the the texas smoke break you're always around artists and dealing with artists what would you even consider what you do now uh what would you call it are you a manager are you a curator uh connector how would you classify yourself and what do you see yourself doing in, in this stage of your career I mean, I, I would say a connect and a curator for sure. But if I find somebody that, and I always tell guys, I have guys walk up to me and want me to manage them, but they don't have nothing to manage right now. You know what I mean? Like the game is different now. As an artist, you got to get out here and work and and, and, and and they think they could do everything just through social media. And, and, and I still mm -hmm. believe no. you got to still do it though the old way how we did it too. You got to go out there and reach and touch these people. Like if if you had on social media and you look at your analytics and you see that, hey, I got a bunch of people watching me in this market, uh, you need to make a visit to that market. Are you pushing your music and you see the analytics and your streaming is in certain places? You need to go to those places and possibly promote. You know, we used to do, we used to be on the road a lot back in the day. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and 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 I think you still gotta implement that even in this digital age. Like, I mean, you got the Instagram and the Twitter and the Facebook and all that, but you need to go out and touch these people. You know, you can, no, you can no. I, I, huh? Go ahead. Well, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I had a question, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I just I just feel like you're able to touch once once you meet somebody in person. It, it, it's a different feel as opposed to them just watching you on on social media. I mean, you you create a bond now. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. That is true. But you know, like you say, you were you guys were on the road a lot at that time. Um, now, besides Houston, where else were you? Like, yo, we gotta go here. Like, where where were you guys just busting at? Man, we we busting all across the south. I'm the the main markets was. For sure, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, uh, uh, and a lot of small markets in between in Texas, but we was killing that Louisiana as well. I mean, we of would course. get, as far as Louisiana, in the beginning, we stopped at Baton Rouge. It seemed like we didn't go past Baton Rouge, and for some reason, you know, because New Orleans had their own sound back then. Yeah. Too. yeah. We was on that bounce real heavy, and we mm -hmm. would hop over there, and we'd go visit Mississippi, uh Alabama and Florida. Florida. We would we would only but we would we wouldn't we wasn't hitting down there in Miami right then. I think we was like in Pensacola and Jacksonville. 
And we got a lot of love yeah. in Jacksonville. I couldn't believe it when we went out there. And they was they was actually breaking records that uh we wasn't even pushing. And that surprised what? me. Yeah, DJ Bigger Rankin. Y'all familiar with him? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bigger Rankin. He he break, we went down there and we was trying to push one song, but he played song in the he played a song in a club that I guess he had been pushing and, and the people were going crazy over that song. And I was like, damn. That's crazy. That's when you know it's love. That's when you know it's yeah. love. Now, since you're you have your hand in so many pots, uh, managing and just being around uh, not only just music. What can you tell me about uh, Brian Keith? Brian Keith. Oh, the wrestler, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my boy right there. Yeah, he, that's funny he, though. They're like, how did you get into like? I mean, he's currently uh, what is it that? Yes, the new Texas pro wrestling champion. I actually got a chance to meet him. And that's when he started telling me, he goes, I'm sponsored by Swisher House. And we started yeah. following each other from there. <laughs> but I'm like, how did that happen? Yeah, how I mean, that, well, that, happen? that, that happens through a mutual friend of ours named Mike Rodriguez. He plugged us up together. And, and, and we started, and I started sponsoring Brian. That's the realest yeah. thing ever, man. That's yeah, so awesome think, to me. And, and Brian, he gonna be big, man. That's I, what I, he's big. I, I can't believe. Soon. Yeah. I, 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 I always like shoot him out or whatnot. Cause I'll be like, yo, this dude really like follows me and I could just hit him up and he'll respond. So I'm like, yo, you, you gonna be WWE champion. Like, let's be honest <laughs> about it. This dude is awesome. I, I always be messing with him. I say, man, you need to do a Tylenol commercial or something, man, or some kind of migraine or pain commercial. Cause boy, you be, in there going in. You know what he's doing. What was it about yeah. wrestling? What was it about wrestling that uh like attract? Have you always been into wrestling or was it just hey, this seems like a great business opportunity? I mean, that was a great business opportunity, but back in the day I was into wrestling when I was younger. Oh, I'm talking okay. about when they had when yeah, the earlier days with the junkyard dogs and the <laughs> uh who was that uh the Graffler and he, Andre he the Giant and I was Jimmy Snuka. He's uh, laughing because that's my era. Anytime my yeah, brother loves wrestling, he loved wrestling I'm to like, death. I yeah. stopped wrestling like I was Junkyard Dog, Jake the Snake, Andre the Giant, yeah. those are what, yeah. the one, whoever was on that original cartoon with Hulk Hogan and them. That's the yeah. one I know. Like, yeah. once we get past that, I'll be like, I don't know the Rock. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I kind of got off of it when I got older. Yeah, but in those yeah. earlier days, yeah, I was I was on it. Nah, I'm still on it. When when we get off of here, I'm gonna watch wrestling. So, <laughs> <laughs> have you have you have you been to see Brian live yet? I haven't been able to see Brian live, but I'm definitely going this year. I said uh, I'm gonna go to more more shows this year as far as wrestling. So I'm going to a few like this weekend. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going with my homeboy to a few. But I'm definitely gonna check out Brian because I'm like. There's a, there's, you know, there's a wrestler that I saw before that made it pretty big. Then I was like, man, I got to go to more shows. A dude named, um, how did I just forget his name? But it doesn't matter at the moment. But the dude made it to another wrestling company. I remember watching him in a parking lot. And I go, that dude's good. And then I turn on TV. Four years later, he's there. And I'm like, Sammy yeah. Guevara. And I was like, yo. I was like, yo, I got to go to more shows. So yeah. I'm definitely gonna check out Brian. Okay, Have you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him of a course. couple of times. Yeah, no, that's yeah, he's good. That's a good thing. 
So tell our audience and everything, where uh, can they find you and, and get in contact with you and see everything that you and Swisher House is still doing? Well, I don't have a personal Instagram, but they could go to at Swisher Blast on uh, Instagram. They could go on, I think it's I think it's just Swisher House on Facebook. On Twitter, it's The Swisher House. And they can check out DJ Michael Watts. I think that's his Instagram handle, DJ Michael Watts. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Yes, I mean, really, like, really, you didn't, well, thank you for coming to the show, even though, you, I mean, you really have to be here, but you're here, because <laughs> you're on the Zoom. I got to start doing this a little more, man, because, you know, I got some big things coming, so I got to start getting on here pretty soon. I'm going to have to be doing these type of interviews just to let the people know what we're doing, We and we also just dropped a a commemorative box set of the first project we dropped, which was the day hell broke loose. Yeah, I forgot yeah, to mention yeah, it. yeah. yeah. Man, that's what what made you too. what made you want to put that out though? What made you say, you know what? It's time for us to put out this commemorative box set. I mean, because it's twenty plus years old, and mm. you know, I just wanted to start putting our uh, 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 these box sets out bringing back the vinyl because you know it's a vinyl age again like uh -huh. i don't know if yeah. you're aware of it these last four or five oh, years vinyl has been growing so i'm even gonna start pressing up other projects we've dropped as well on vinyl yeah yeah we know about the vinyl you should put some aside for my brother that's the vinyl king i'm always into uh Vinyl, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm, I'm into all that. I, I'm really hoping y'all release some vinyls or, or, or some whole collections of uh, OG Ron C and, and 5,000 watts F actions. That was my thing. That's yeah. what I knew it. You know what I'm no, yeah. it's, it's a great it's a great series. It's but, a great series. It is. The Michael like, Jackson F action is the best Michael Jackson <laughs> screw. Hands mm. down, that 51.5, I think it is. Hands down. Like I listened to that to this. I was listening to that a week ago. Yeah, he listens to it to this day. You didn't you didn't think the uh F Action 22, the R. Kelly one? That was one of the biggest ones. It was. That know. was one that was one at um, the time. One. That was the one. Look, at the time, me being a young man, uh, right? You, you let's just put it this way. You were with me in one of the best times of my life. No, no, no. I'm a huge fan. So if y'all get ready to start re-releasing those, like whatever, you know, uh hump start, because I know sometimes it's getting I think I was talking to uh it was candlestick one time and he's like, Man, it'd be difficult to release sometimes because sometimes even though it's a help to labels and stuff, they might stop you. They might try to stop you from uh dropping the stuff. Well, we can't drop we probably wouldn't drop it on vinyl, but we probably drop it on CD though for sure. Yeah. We release them on CDs. Yeah, yeah. But with the with the way I'm doing the vinyl, I'm doing them as collectors' items. Oh, I'm so like here. so like that day hell broke loose that we dropped. It's only three hundred of those. That's mm. it. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to do the. I guess the. You know, it's a different. It's a resale market now, so you see yeah. a lot of yeah. things coming out, and it's limited. 
you notice when you go to find them later, you know, you got to pay a price for them if you want them. So I'm doing a limited edition type of merch now. No, that makes sense. I get that. It's like NFTs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's makes coming perfect in. sense. That's coming I, I figure. I yeah. figure, man. Once again, like, hey, I want to thank you once again for just, like I said, staying in and coming out at the same time. I mean, you have been wonderful. You've been wonderful to to the city the city should thank you and every time that you're thinking about you want to do something you're more than welcome to come back to in my humble opinion podcast so Let's this go. is once again been a good in my humble opinion podcast my name is avery like a very nice guy also known as the avery vince mcbands whatever you want to call me that's my brother just devon ladies and gentlemen and we've been here with g dash people swish a house all right in my i'm sorry Remain humble, people. And my humble opinion podcast, H-Town, it's too sweet. H-Town, too sweet.